from coast to coast. The Stephen A. Smith Show starts right now. At 7 ESPN here in New York, it's Bob Wachusen sitting in for Stephen A. And we are local only today, so this is New York sports straight through, and I'm excited about that. It is always fun to talk about what you care about the most, and that is what I get to do. Filling in for Stephen A. here on 98.7 ESPN, and we're going to start right off with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And you heard the guys just talking about it, Christopher Johnson addressing the media out at Jets camp and giving a full vote of confidence to Adam Gase, saying that not only is Adam Gase not getting fired at the end of this season or during this season, he will absolutely be the coach next season. And to me, that's the jumping off point for three teams that I think are all here in New York in a very similar situation. And unfortunately, you've got three fan bases that have been told the same thing from the same people for a long time, and they just don't want to hear it anymore. And I totally understand why that would be. I do. Um, I understand why, if you're a Knicks fan, you don't want to be told you're going to rebuild. I understand if you're a Giants fan, you don't want to be told anymore that you're going to rebuild. And I completely understand why, if you're a Jets fan, the word rebuild is like broccoli to a six-year-old at this point. You're sick of it. You don't want to hear it. And I get it. No one empathizes with that more than I do. Next season will be my 25th Jets training camp. This is our 18th year of calling Jets games. I've seen in person three championship games, never a Super Bowl. In 18 years, I've called one home playoff game. I understand the frustration. And if you want to give me a call and talk about that frustration, feel free at 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. All right? I get it. However... The guys that are in charge, or at least seem to be held to that standard, right now, for all three organizations, understand, had little to nothing to do with where any of these three organizations find themselves right now. If David Fisdale gets fired at some point during this season by the Knicks, to me, that's ridiculous. What did he have to do with building the roster that right now he is being asked to coach? This roster is opposite of what he thought he was going to coach when he first took over. It went from having Kristaps Porzingis to getting rid of Kristaps to creating two max salary slot contracts to his owner coming on this radio station and telling the world this was going to be the destination. This was going to be where big-time free agents were going to want to come play. Dwayne Wade, the day the Knicks hired David Fisdale, couldn't talk more glowingly about the number of guys that would want to play for him. Now I hear this narrative that David Fisdale didn't do his job because he didn't recruit free agents. Really? You think that's why free agents stayed away from the Knicks? They want to play for David Fisdale? Compared to all the big free agents that have been dying to get to the Garden since before David Fisdale became the coach? Give me the other big-time free agents, including multiple times the Knicks went after LeBron and didn't get him, that you could now blame the lack of free agents wanting to come to the Garden on David Fisdale. Then you go to the Giants. And it's funny, last week when the Jets lost to the Dolphins 
and everybody wanted Adam Gase's head, and everybody wanted a complete cleaning of house of the organization. And I totally understood the frustration, but I went on this show, and I thought laid out what is a very realistic look at the problem the people running the Jets right now are faced with. It's the same people or same problem the people running the Knicks right now have created for themselves and that David Fisdale finds himself in the middle of. And in a way, it's the same problem that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer find with themselves with the Giants. But if you look at how a team is built in the National Football League, it's built primarily through the draft. Good teams are built through the draft. And that Adam Gase and Joe Douglas right now are coach and general manager of a team that had in their drafts from 2012 to 2016 or 2017, six drafts that produced 49 players, 41 of which are no longer with the organization, including the 2012 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016 first-round draft choices. You know who had nothing to do with any of that? Joe Douglas and Adam Gase. That's the roster that they've got. That's the reality of the problem. That's what they now have to deal with. So just like David Fisdale can't be held responsible for the fact that the organizational strategy was to get rid of Christoph's Porzingis and bring in two max free agents, and instead he's left coaching Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and Alfred Payton and Wayne Ellington. How can Joe Douglas be held responsible for the fact that 49 players were drafted in years 2 through 8 before he arrived and 41 of those 49 are gone, including every first-round draft choice other than Jamal Adams, once Leonard Williams was traded over to the Giants. And I was called a Jet Homer. I'm, I'm Jet Boy, right? I'm the guy that's just saying what needs to be said to back up the Jets. Well, I am going to prove to you now that I have no... It has nothing to do with being a Jet Homer. It's just looking at the facts. It's just looking at the reality of the situation. It's looking at the problem that these guys find themselves in that had nothing to do with them that was not of their making. And you would think, if I'm supposedly the Jet Homer, that there's nothing that I would rather do than compare and contrast the Jets with the Giants and kill Pat Shermer and kill Gabe De- uh, Dave Gettleman. And I am going to make the same argument on their behalf that I made on the Jets' behalf. And that is, if you go to... 2012, which I think is a realistic draft cutoff to judge whether or not an organization should have a decent number of draft picks on their team. You go back, say, seven or eight years in a league where the average career is only three and a half to four years, good players from seven or eight years ago still have a chance to be on your team. So if you're a Giant fan, go to 2012 when they drafted seven guys. None of them are still on their team. Go to 2013, where they drafted seven guys. None of them are still on their team. Go to 2014, where they drafted seven guys. None of them are still on their team. Go to 2015, where they drafted six guys. None of them are still on their team. Go to 2016, where they drafted six guys. You got Sterling Shepard. That's it. By my count, 2012, 13, 14, 15, and 16, the only guy that's left is Sterling Shepard. And during those years, here are your first-round draft choices. David Wilson, Justin Pugh, who's a good giant, Odell Beckham, Eric Flowers, Eli Apple. All gone. Now Gettleman walks in the door. 
right? Here's the hand you're dealt. Now, did he do a great... I mean, you could argue back and forth. Should he have taken Saquon Barkley? Should he have taken Sam Darnold? Did he overdraft Daniel Jones? All of those stories are yet to be written. But that's the point. They are yet to be written. We don't know yet. And that's why if you're Christopher Johnson and you come out today and say, look... Do we know for a fact that five years from now, Adam Gase is still going to be the Jets head coach? No. Nobody knows that. But do we know that next year he ought to be? That's fair. Because if you're going to take what has happened this season, and just based on what you've seen this season, say Adam Gase has to go, or David Fisdale has to go, or Pat Shermer, even after a year plus, has to go. Now he's got a brand new rookie quarterback who can't hold on to the football. If you're making those determinations about these three guys now, then none of them ever had a chance. Then you made up your mind before the introductory press conference with any of these guys. And you know what? You may have. And you may turn out to be right. And if you are, then I guess it pleases you to root against your team. However, who is not making a determination based on the short term? Based on, really, at this point, zero sample size are the owners of these teams. Now, maybe the the Knicks are going to scapegoat David Fisdale. Maybe they will. Should they? That would be ridiculous. And that almost is a separate argument. But with the two football teams, you have dealt both of these coaches... Literally an unplayable hand, at least right out of the gate. And if you want to fire them based on that unplayable hand, then that means you thought they were both awful to begin with, and they never had a chance to show you that they were going to have any success. Right? You want to take Adam Gase right now, and even just one litmus test. Maybe this is oversimplifying it, maybe not. Adam Gase, with a healthy Sam Darnold, has coached five games, and they're two and three. That's what he is, with no offensive line, with a team decimated by injuries, and with a team that, from two drafts ago to eight drafts ago, in a six-year period or a seven-year period, drafted 49 guys, 41 of which are gone, plus six consecutive first-round draft choices. That's the reality. All right, that That is why an owner... A team president, a general manager in these situations, can't react with the rash reaction of the public. He can't. You hire them to do a job, you have to give them the chance to go do it. If they turn out to be the wrong guys for the job, just like it turned out Mike McCagnan and John Idzik were the wrong guys for the job, then you'll pay the price later. But you can't determine they're the wrong guys for the job until they've actually had a chance to go do the job. Stephen A. Smith Show with Bob Wachusen here on 98.7 ESPN at 800-919-3776. 800-919-ESPN. That's the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Everything for less, only at Walmart. And look, I get it. No one is more empathetic to this than I am. I completely understand. Believe me. Even you as a fan that's spending your money on it, if you get disgusted at halftime, you can turn the game off. (laughs) We can't turn the game off. We get paid to watch every single play. So when they're losing to the Patriots and it's 33 to nothing and there's still nine minutes to go in the third quarter and you're looking at the clock going, oh, my God, I cannot believe that this game still is like an hour and a half to go. Trust me, you could probably hear it on our voices. We feel your pain. 
top. We absolutely understand what you're going through. And it has been that way for a long time now. But if you go back to John Idzik, given the reins of a rebuilding project and spending two years drafting basically no – he's got one guy left, and it's Quincy and Nunwa. From the two drafts he ran, that's it. That's all that's left. And Quincy and Nunwa hasn't played in two years. From that 12-person draft he had, there's one guy left, and he's basically not even on the team. And then Mike McCagden comes in. He threw a lot of money at the team because they were at the end of a four-year salary cap cycle. He had a bunch of money that was going to go to waste if you didn't spend it. So he spent it on Darrell Revis and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And those guys all came in, and they had one fun year. But then... The work that probably should have began before that began. He started a rebuilding project. That didn't work. So I, as I say, I understand why you don't want to hear the word rebuild. Because that's all you've been hearing for nine years. It's been, we're still rebuilding. We need two or three years. We need to put some drafts together. We need, we need to get a young quarterback. All of that. And they've gone through that. However... The fact that the John Idzik rebuild failed, the fact that after that, now it turns out the Mike McCagnan rebuild failed, means that A, none of that is Adam Gase and Joe Douglas's fault, and B, that means that right now, as much as you ever were, maybe even if not more so than when Idzik and McCagnan came on board, you are unfortunately now in need of a rebuild. And I hate to say it to you. And again, I empathize because I am prepared, as the radio announcer for the team, to watch this and go through it right along with you for the next two or three years. It's not probably going to happen next year either. Think about what this team needs. The big narrative from last year was $100 million in cap space. How much fun is it to have $100 million in cap space? And that's great. When you want to throw some money at C.J. Mosley, throw a bunch of money at Le'Veon Bell, it's a lot of fun to talk about free agents and who we're going to shop for in the aisle and which guys we're going to bring in. That's a blast. It's fun. Great sports talk radio fodder. You know what it is? Bad sign. Not good. Not good to have $100 million in cap space. The reason is that means you didn't have any of that money to spend on the guys that were already on your team because you drafted poorly. The teams that don't have $100 million in cap space are teams like New Orleans, And Seattle and San Francisco and the Patriots and so on and so forth. Teams that are, have been, will be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Because they've got a bunch of guys on their team that were worthy of that money. So having $100 million in cap space, no good. That's the situation that the current regime finds themselves in. And it's not their fault. They didn't do it. And it also doesn't change the reality that that's the situation that they find themselves in. Just because we as fans don't want to hear the word rebuild anymore doesn't change the fact that they have to rebuild. The same thing with the Giants. Now, the Giants have been tempered a lot more by having some Lombardi trophies. I mean, you got a two-time Super Bowl MVP still standing on your sideline in uniform. Those memories seem distant. But they're not 1969 different. So I get Jet fans have a much shorter fuse for this stuff than Giant fans have. But it also does not change the reality of where the Giants find themselves. 
Think about how many positions, especially on defense, that the Giants find themselves deficient at. It takes a while to fill all those holes. You only get in seven rounds one pick per round. There's 53 guys on your team. With the practice squad, 60 guys. Next year, now obviously there are both teams probably accumulate some draft choices, maybe with some trades, who knows. But in most years, you get to pick seven guys on your 60-man roster. It's hard to flip it until you go through a couple of successful drafts. That's what they need. That's what both teams need. It doesn't mean it's fun to suffer through it. And it also doesn't mean, because the previous regimes tried it and failed, that the new regime should have to come in, snap their fingers, and do a one-year 180 or be kicked out the door because they couldn't. They didn't make this mess. It's not their fault. They weren't here when the previous mistakes were made. In fact, because the previous mistakes were made by the Idziks, by the McCagnans, by the Reeses, that's why they're here. That's why they're in the jobs they're in. That's how they got the jobs. The jobs became available because you fired the previous guys because they couldn't get the job done. So it's amazing how, and I think specifically to all three coaches, Knicks, Jets, Giants, Fisdale, Gase, Shermer, all of them right now are drawing fire from their fans. Big segments of their fans want all three out, and all three are, I think still, in a big way, victim of circumstances or victims of circumstances that they had nothing to do with. And how any of you in any of those three fan bases thought that any of these three guys were going to take these situations and immediately flip them, you're just not looking at the reality of the situation. And if Nick Management holds David Fisdale responsible for what we're looking at right now and what we were watching last night, that team's just not very good. I mean, Kobe White went nuts last night. That's fine. But that I mean, what was surprising about that game last night? What was surprising about a Nick team that most prognosticators thought wasn't much better than a 25-27 to 27 win team going on the road, hanging in there for three quarters, running out of gas, having a hometown player toss some shots in, and losing. Nothing surprising about that. What was the Giants over-under this year? Maybe not this bad, but who was picking them to go to the playoffs? The Jet over-under before the quarterback got mono was like seven and a half. I mean, they were probably going to be a 500 to below 500 team. At the end of the year... If I had to pick, I think the Jets will win four, maybe five games. And their quarterback had mono for the first five weeks of the season. So what do you think if you would have announced to a prognosticator in Vegas, by the way, that's seven and a half you thought for the Jets, their quarterback's going to be sick for the first five weeks. Now what do you think the over-under is? They probably would have said, oh, probably have four and a half or five. They're probably going to end up living up to the exact expectations, really, that you would have had if you would have told them Sam Darnold was going to be sick at the start of the year. The parallels are amazing. All three teams. News made out in Florham Park at Jet Camp, and Rich Samini, as always, is there. He's ESPN's NFL Nation reporter covering the Jets and has been covering the Jets. Are, are you – how many people out, like, out seniority me 
You do. Does anybody else get anywhere past us in terms of how long they've been covering this team? I think we're it, Bob. I think we're the uh, we're the we're the old timers. We're the last um, of the Mohicans. <laughs> oh man, been covering this a long time. I, I have to say though, in all my years of covering the Jets, this is probably the quickest vote of confidence from an owner to a head on a head coach. So, uh, only nine days uh, days in uh, games into the Adam Gase regime, and uh, a very strong vote of confidence from Christopher Johnson. Yeah, you were there when Christopher Johnson decided to talk to the media. How did it all come together, Rich? I mean, how how surprised were you that all of a sudden, kind of midway through the season, Christopher Johnson felt the need to speak? Well, I, I think he owed it to the fans. Uh, obviously, a lot of unrest among the fan base because the season has gone horribly. And he usually traditionally speaks to us early in the year, usually around the first home game. But he did not this year. And so I think there was a kind of a cry among some media people and some fans. We want to hear from, from Johnson. And uh, let's face it, maybe he was waiting till they won a game, you know, to soften things a little bit. So they beat the Giants on Sunday. And he chose this opportunity, actually kind of came together quickly. It was during practice, and he pulled us into a side room, just a few reporters and uh, maybe eight or ten reporters. And he spoke for about nine minutes and shared his feelings about, uh, you know, the team going forward. And for those that have yet to hear the comments, we don't have the audio of it yet. I'm not sure if that'll be something we'll be able to hear. But obviously you were there taking notes, and I'm sure verbatim know exactly what he said. This was not some type of equivocation. This was not we don't make any decisions until the end of the season, and then we'll see how it goes. I mean, he was pretty unequivocal, it seems here, with what he said is going to happen from now until next year, right? Yeah, there was no wiggle room. I mean, he said, I can assure you that, um, this is not a direct quote, but I'm paraphrasing, I can assure you there will be no coaching changes here. And with a follow-up question, of course, was, what about after the season? And he said, yes, even after the season. So uh, he was that's about as strong as you can get from an owner during the season. You know, talking about his coach, he left uh, no room for equivocation, as you said. Stood behind him. You know, stood, but he's hitching his wagon to Adam Gase. You think it's just a reflection of kind of where we are now in the world of pro sports, that a coach would say have five games under his belt with a healthy quarterback, and already the fans, many of them, want to kind of ride him out on a rail? Yeah, I was never – and look, I'm not going to defend Adam Gase. I don't think he's done a good job this year, and I think most people would – pretty much everyone would agree with that. And even Christopher Johnson said – and these these are direct quotes. He, he, he finds this season, quote, exceedingly frustrating. Yeah. This is not not where we expect it to be. Uh, so I think he acknowledges that everyone needs to do a better job. But, you know, to fire a coach in his first year during the season is just lunacy. And I, I just didn't under, you know, I understand the fans' frustration. I totally get that. And they're so passionate. But I think there's more damage that can be done than to be gained by firing a coach in his first year. I mean, you mentioned it. It's actually six games with Sam Darnold. You know, they've had a historic number of injuries i think they have 13 guys on injured reserve right now he was handed what i thought was probably a seven win team at best that has you know just been crippled by injuries and so i thought it would be certainly unfair to fire him you know during the season i just didn't see what that would accomplish yeah i even said five games because sam darnold played the first game with mono and we didn't know it I mean, they were up 16 to right. nothing and should have won the game. But, I mean, he talked to him yeah. about his symptoms the night before the game. Clearly, he was ill. Yeah. I mean, he was not himself in that game. So he's played five games with Sam Darnold, recovered, and he's 2-3 and three in those games. That's the record. And I think you're right. It, you remove the passion from it. 
And for a fan, you're not supposed to remove the passion from it. Fans are supposed to be passionate. That's the nature of being a fan. But this regime inherited what they inherited because the two prior regimes left them with this. That's the fact. That That's just the reality of the situation. And if I'm a Jet fan, I want to hear the word rebuild. Like I'm a five-year-old being forced to eat boiled broccoli. I get it. It's not yeah. what you want. But that doesn't change what the roster is, what this group has, I think, still has a job out in front of them to do. And I don't know. You were there, so you heard what the owner said. But it seems like the owner is saying exactly that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to use the R word again. I mean, let's face it, Jets fans are sick of rebuilding. It's, it's They started it in 2017. And then they changed last offseason with Mike McCagden. They were in win-now mode. You don't go out and spend that kind of money on Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley. And they spent an unprecedented amount of money in free agency because they thought they were ready to go from the rebuilding stage to the contending stage. And that was a miscalculation by Mike McCagden. And that, you know, uh, and we know he lost his job, not because of that, but because of other you know, situations that were going on behind the scenes. He he didn't get along with Adam, and he it cost him his job. And so now they're going from that win-now mode to another cycle of rebuilding, which just has to make fans want to bang their heads against the wall. Sure. But really, they have no choice now. I mean, look at this roster. I mean, they only have four or five guys who you can say, you know, I want these guys to be around for the next three or four years. They don't have many of those guys. And what they're relying on now is Joe Douglas's ability to find talent. You know, he's supposed to be the draft guru. Well, come next April, he's going to have to start guruing because he <laughs> needs, needs like two or three really strong drafts in a row. Exactly. And one last question for Rich Semini, who covers the Jets and has literally since the dawn of time along with me, uh, going all the way back to... Oh, God, I don't even know. Like a pre-internet. Joe, Joe, Joe Walton for me. Bob. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, the internet had not been invented when you and I were covering the Jets together. But um, right. if... And I'm not sure if this was addressed to Christopher Johnson. I would imagine it was. But how much of the relationship between Adam Gase and Sam Darnold do you think has to do with the fact that the jet hierarchy is saying, you know, we have, we have, to, we have to stay the course here and see whether or not yeah. the quarterback and the coach can get this thing right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because he did mention that unsolicited, that he said uh, Adam had – has Sam's trust, and he goes, while that wasn't a, a, a major factor in this decision, he said it was, certainly was a factor. He goes, the last thing you want to do with a young quarterback is start over with another system. He goes, that's a disaster. He used the word disaster. And uh, so I think that was an important component to it. Also want to mention before you, you let me go, uh, he was asked about Jamal Adams' future. Oh, yeah. He spoke, a few, spoke effusively of Jamal Adams, saying he's the kind of guy you want to keep for his entire career. However, he goes, that's Joe Douglas's decision. He goes, I gave him control of the 53, and so that'll be his decision. So he sort of punted on that and said he'd like to keep Jamal around, but that's not his call. He's going to leave it up to the GM. Yeah, interesting, because the amount of money you may have to spend on Jamal and the position that he plays, but the passion he plays it with... But the fact that having a safety is a luxury item, but you want the guy in the locker room that brings what he brings, there's a lot of yin and yang there to try and figure out what you want to do with Jamal Adams. A fascinating dynamic because we all know how good a player is. We saw it on Sunday. No question. So that's going to be one of the things they'll have to consider in the offseason. Thanks, Rich. 
You bet, Bob. Take All right. Care. That's Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN, certainly for us here, ESPN New York, and uh, was there when Christopher Johnson gave the unequivocal vote of support to Adam Gase, not just for the rest of this season, but that he's going to be the head coach next season as well, and he is going to have a chance with Joe Douglas to put their stamp on this team. And they're going to go through a draft class, and they're going to be able, I'll tell you, number one, starting up front to rebuild the offensive line. That will be a major, major priority coming up in the offseason and certainly the draft. 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. Bob Wischusen here for Stephen A. By the way, the Stephen A. Smith Show is brought to you by Heineken. As the Jet play-by-play man, I'm wondering why samples are not provided when Heineken is a sponsor. Appreciate that in the future if someone in sales realizes who they've got hosting the show and how much they could use certain samples at certain times. Could use that today. From coast to coast, the Stephen A. Smith Show starts right now. Bob Shoes in hour number two, in for Stephen A. at 800-919-3776, here on 98.7 ESPN. In New York, you can tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters, presented by Dell Small Business. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Again, Bob Shoes in, in for Stephen A. Back to the phones in just a sec, I promise, but we've got someone on the line that I'm not 100% sure is still of right mind. Because when I spoke with him about seven days ago, I asked him where his, like, freak-out meter was heading into <laughs> LSU Alabama. On Wednesday, it was about a 5. Ryan Clark, I have to think probably Saturday morning it was about a 15. And right now, where is your satisfaction meter five days after the Bayou Bengals went into Tuscaloosa and took care of business? Man, you know, as satisfied as you can possibly be um, <laughs> as an alum and as a former player. You know, Bob, it's one of those things. And obviously when you get on TV and you get to talk about it, uh, you know, we get to entertain and, and be energetic and be excited. Man, it was just such a feeling of relief after it was over because there's been so many years where we thought we had a team that could compete. We thought we had a team that could win, and they just blew the doors off of us. And to, to go there – and to get the lead, I'll be honest, it made me nervous. I actually tweeted early in the third quarter that I was probably more scared then than I was at the beginning of the game because I was just seeing so much go wrong in that matchup. And I think Joe Burrow showed the world, you know, why he's a guy that's going to be in New York uh, for the Heisman presentation and why we'll be dissecting film and NFL teams will be dissecting film to see if this guy could be the first overall quarterback drafted because he has some intangibles and some some confidence and some poise that he's shown in big games on the road that has really been amazing. And to beat Alabama that way in Tuscaloosa says a lot about him, a lot about our coaching staff, but definitely a lot about those young men on that team. Oh, you're not kidding. Joe Burrow might not just be here to like go through the process. He might be standing up there holding that trophy with Desmond and the boys, like clapping for him over his shoulder (laughs) because he has a chance. Absolutely. I think he's the favorite right now to win the Heisman. And it's funny. I grew up in this area. I'm a native New York area guy. I grew up just across the river in Jersey. I have a love for college football. I just have a love for football. So I have the rare 
choice and opportunity to go to places like LSU and Tennessee and Georgia and Notre Dame and Michigan, Ohio State, and see what college football means to the rest of the country, because that's the one thing we're missing here. We've got nine mm-hmm. pro sports teams. You know what I mean? So right. we spend all our time screaming and yelling about the Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets, Knicks, so on and so forth. This is probably the one market in America more than any other that just doesn't have any true affiliation with college football. And I'm trying to explain to people what this win means to the people in the state of Louisiana. You'd probably do a better job than me. Can you put it into words for someone that doesn't you know, get it, what it meant? It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. And I always explain to people that, you know, you don't necessarily choose, like if you're not an alum of a school or if you don't choose that school from a scholarship standpoint to play, it's like you're born into these things. These things are a part of your family, a part of your life. For me, you know, my brother didn't go to LSU. My parents didn't go to LSU, but that's our team. You know, it's not one of those things where you bounce around with your favorite player. It doesn't matter who wears the white and gold uniforms on Saturday. They're ours. And it's, there, if Joe Burrow wins the Heisman, if LSU wins the national championship, if they win the SEC championship to get there, none of those moments will mean as much to the state of Louisiana as it did as the moment on Saturday after they won that game. Wow. It's been eight years of losing, wow. <laughs> eight years of hope. It's been eight years. And here, here's the craziest part, Bob. It's been eight years of longing for their coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. We after every Saturday in November, the first, second Saturday in November, we sit and we mourn and we beg for our old girlfriend back. We send her letters, we tweet her, <laughs> we DM her, and we say, you know, baby, we messed up. We should have never let you go to Miami. We should never let you see what that was. We I can't believe that when you had an opportunity to come back, you were in Tuscaloosa. Right. You come back to us after this game, Bob was the first time I can remember in a long time where we thought we were better off with our new coach. And I think that was a feeling of accomplishment, a feeling of relief, a feeling of pride that we hadn't had in such a long time. And whatever else happens the rest of this year, we'll be icing on the cake. But you can believe, man, the triple-decker cake, with chocolate filling was on Saturday night. <laughs> Ryan Clark, who is about as proud of Bayou Bengal right now as you could possibly be joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, real quick, while I've got you, just a couple of pro football topics because they are very topical here in New York, not nearly as happy, obviously, but uh, got Jets and Giants fans both wallowing in each other's misery to a certain extent. <laughs> the Jets... Uh, Owner Christopher Johnson just came out within the last hour and gave an unequivocal vote of support to Adam Gase, not just for the rest of this year, but said he will be the coach next year as well. Done, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, What's your reaction to that? I think coaches deserve more than a year. I truly do. Most times when you're taking over a new team, uh, that team already has some issues, whether it be roster issues, chemistry issues, um, quarterback issues, and I think – this team, you know, has their quarterback, but there was some other things that needed to be fixed. This roster isn't strong enough yet to win. And so I believe Adam Gase does need another opportunity to go through an offseason, work with these guys, build something in that building. Um, I also think he needs some time that Sam Darnold doesn't have to deal with an illness that keeps him out, that keeps him from progressing, from learning. And so 
what you also don't want to do is have your young quarterback, your top three pick, have to be subjected to an entirely new offense in his third year. Give him some continuity. Give him some consistency and allow him to grow. And I think it's a smart decision. I know what it looks like on Sunday, and I know – you know, there are times, I can be honest, I love Adam Gates. He's, he's a friend of mine. I can, you know, when you watch, sometimes they don't look prepared. They don't look like a team uh, that was ready to play. But I think that could be for a myriad of reasons. Give Adam Gates an opportunity to get that right. And I think he made the right decision by coming out and saying it now and kind of putting the rest of the whispers and the rumors to bed. How about a Giant fan that wants to run Pat Shermer out after two years in spite of the fact that he also right now is dealing with a brand-new quarterback that can't hold on to the football, but they just lost to the Jets. So that, of course, is the terrible optic from their standpoint. If you look at both teams, both organizations have basically still either first- or second-year coaches, general managers that inherited rosters that were bereft of drafted talent. I mean, the six or seven years for both teams leading up to when these two regimes took over, there was not much to work with there. I kind of lumped them together and think the same of Pat Shermer that I think of Adam Gase. What do you think? I do. I do. And I know people are going to say he's had two years, but this is just his first year with Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, at least to me, seems to be someone Pat Shermer wanted someone Pat Shermer believed in. And I do believe that there are times when you watch Daniel Jones where you see glimpses of what can be a very good NFL quarterback. And every quarterback's not going to come in and be a star in his first year. But you want to see progression. You want to see that the ceiling can be something that can allow a team to win. And I believe you see those things with Daniel Jones. Um, It's tough when coming into the season we know that Saquon Barkley may not only be the best player on their team, but maybe the best running back and probably one of the better players in the league. And he's been injured. You know, you've had each and every wide receiver and passing target, maybe other than Slayton, deal with something this year and be out. And we knew that that defense, from a roster standpoint, wasn't ready to, you know, take hold enough where the offense could come along. And so I think... Pat Shermer deserves another year as well. I know that's hard to hear when you're not winning right away, but this doesn't look like exactly what it did before he got there. He is, to me, at least moving things along. So give him another year and see if this team can be better with a healthy Saquon, with a healthy Evan Ingram, and you hope a guy like Sterling Shepard is also able to come along, get some more defensive pieces, and see what you look like next year. You know the ego boost it gives like a schlunk like me when I say something in hour number one of this show and then somebody like Ryan Clark comes on and basically says the same thing in hour number two? Like the level of like now pride I feel like I actually have some idea of what I'm talking about because somebody that actually does know what they're talking about said the same thing. Well, you know, like you've seen enough ball. And I think you, the one thing you have, and I had a little bit of it when I played for the Giants my first two years, is you understand how immediate that market is. Yeah. How much they want things right now, instant gratification, a microwave type mindset where if it's not happening now, we need to change it. And I think that's the problem with a lot of organizations that they're ready to throw away things really early when sometimes you have to stick with it. And I believe in sticking with it, you allow a coach to put his imprint. Now, don't get me wrong. If you have the wrong guy, eventually you'll realize you just stuck around too long with the wrong guy. 100% right. I do do believe throwing it away immediately and right now puts you in a position that's actually worse than what you were before hiring. Ryan, you're the best. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. 
My man, have a great one. That's Ryan Clark. You can catch him all over ESPN talking football, and he'll be talking a lot of college football on Get Up as the LSU Bayou Bengals continue to uh, potentially march towards a national championship. Who knows? Their next challenge, they got to go to the Grove on Saturday night. That's a game on ESPN and take on Ole Miss. And by the way, it's finally here. You can download the Disney Plus app right now and start streaming the best of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, all ad-free, wherever and whenever you want them. For more, go to DisneyPlus.com. 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. Back to the phones for a few here. Well, there's many calls between now and the top of the next hour. The Michael K. Show with Donna Peter. Standing by about 45 minutes away or so. Less as we go back to the phones. Talk to Gil and Valley Stream. Joins us next year on 9870 ESPN. What's up, Gil? Hey, what's up, Mr. Wischusen? How you doing? Good, man? how are you? Very good, man. I just got to completely agree with your take on these organizations. How they're kind of misrun from the very top and I'm talking about ownership with our Jets, our Knicks, even with the Giants now, that how they're not putting in place the guys who need to truly run these teams the proper way because their owners granted, yes, they're multi-millionaires, billionaires, what have you, but they don't know what it is to take to run an organization. You know what's funny? We talk about the incredible inexact science it is in the draft. Right, like you are a guy that spends your whole life in football, watching tape, scouting players, blah, blah, blah. And then somehow you draft Jamarcus Russell with the number one pick in the draft, and it is a total bomb. And it really is sometimes a roll of the dice to see if you can get it right. It's even more so that way sometimes for owners who didn't grow up their whole lives in a sport. Now they're rolling the dice that the coach or the GM, the football guy that they pick, is going to be the right guy to come in and pilot their organization. And you're right. Sometimes they pick the wrong guy. Just the way it goes. I mean, that's, that, that is the reality of that, of the, you know, the, the lack of expertise that sometimes you just naturally have if you didn't grow up in an industry. And how many owners in pro sports grew up in the industry of that sport? Most of them didn't. You know, the Mara family is the rare example in the NFL, just an old blood, old school NFL family where John Mara grew up in the business of football. And even he, over the last eight years or so, has struggled to get it right. Let's go to Joe, Jersey City, joins us next year on ESPN Radio 98.7 here in New York. What's up, Joe? Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good. Okay, listen, Bob, uh, I wanna, as, as I have a paradox here, and I want to first, I want to agree with you um, on one thing and, and a couple other things I want to disagree. First of all, football is a sport, or any other sports, where you throw a ball up in the sky, it comes straight down, it might bounce anywhere. I mean, it's saying that to say this. Injuries, special teams, you have to consider that whenever you think to happen in your team. I agree with you. It's, a, it's lunacy to fire these two guys after one year. You have to also consider the, the injury situation, maybe strength and conditioning coach, something like that. But uh, but the Giants, I think, are a little different. But the Giants were really had nothing, okay? The Jets were a little bit re- more ready, okay? But now with the Knicks. The Knicks, really, Fisdale, I play college basketball, okay, at a high level. And I think right now, Fisdale, he sold himself on them a uh, uh, mouthpiece. But really, he sits on the sidelines. He has. He doesn't know how to uh, substitute. He has. It's a young man's sport, like you said. They gas out, right? When they gas out, 
he just because he's only playing uh, tight rotation. You have to hit these guys. When you're losing, what do you have to lose, man? Get, get these guys in and out. The kid from, from Michigan, he hasn't had a chance. You know what I'm saying? So I think most fans recognize that he's sitting on the sideline really doing nothing. Well, who do, you, I mean, who do you want? Like, what do you want him to do differently substitution-wise than what he's doing? I think he should just... Study the game more, and I think the matchups. That's what he needs to study the game more. How do you have any idea how much he is or isn't studying the game? Let me explain to you. All right, I want this explanation. Okay, he has one game where Trier comes in and scores twenty points. Next game, he plays two minutes. How can you explain that? And plus, some of the matchups he has some of these guys out here who matchup nightmares. Some guy who scored who scored twenty points and played two minutes the next game. Yeah, you, you ever watch it? I watch every game. Well, I've been watching the games, too. I mean, like, you can make an argument he stuck too long with Dennis Smith last night, but he's trying to get him back to a point where I mean, that, that's the only positive you have right now on your team to show for the Porzingis trade. But it, it's almost like everybody constantly slaughtering Mickey Calloway when he would walk out to the bullpen, touch his right or his left arm, and have a gas can come in from their bullpen. At some point, if you're a coach or a manager, and you either go to your bullpen, go to your bench, make a substitution or whatever, you can't be held responsible for every single thing that goes wrong. Sooner or later, you have the right to expect that your players are going to make one of your decisions right. And if they don't, maybe it's because you don't have very good players. Maybe it's not all your fault.